Welcome to St. Martin the Fields and welcome to Great Sacred Music. Special welcome to those joining us online. And it's good to see everyone looking thoroughly miserable because it's the beginning of Lent, which is about feeling thoroughly miserable for six and a half weeks. And the first thing people say is six and a half weeks, if you do the math and work it out, that does not make 40. So why are we about to sing 40 days and 40 nights? Well, it's because the Sundays don't count. Why 40? Because Jesus fasted 40 days in the wilderness. Why did he fast for 40 days? Uh, because Israel had wandered 40 days in the wilderness uh, before it entered the promised land. It became in the early church a period for penitential preparation for baptism and those seeking restoration after egregious sin, of whom I can see there are a good number with us today. It was first formalized at the Council of Nicaea uh, uh, in 325 AD. It was associated with sackcloth and the sprinkling of ashes as a form of public penance, although that had died out by the first millennium on the whole. Uh, and it was replaced in a rather democratic move. Lent became not just something for catechumens who were preparing for baptism, but for the whole church and the symbol of that was the placing of ashes on the forehead, which came in round about a thousand years ago, though not all the ashes are quite that old. So what is Lent? How do you mark Lent? Traditionally, self-examination, prayer, fasting, almsgiving, scripture reading, and the repair of broken relationships. And then you get to take a half-time break on the fourth Sunday of Lent, which in this country has come to be known as Mothering Sunday. We're going to start with a really, really miserable hymn, which is 40 Days and 40 Nights. This is about as miserable as it gets. Uh, and it's, it's, there's a kind of, um, you could call it Pelagian, that's to say the notion that we can self-improve so much that we are worthy of heaven. There's a kind of element of training our bodies. It's it's a stretching of our muscles for greater readiness. If you think about a long jumper who long jumper runs up towards the jumping off point and sort of sinks down and the muscles tense and then there's this huge release uh, when they take off for the great final leap. That's kind of how this hymn is portraying the season of fasting uh, and preparing our bodies so that we remove all the excess and are prepared to belong wholly to God. That's really the, the language that's going on here and we finally issue in the joy of Easter and the struggle is over. We remain seated, we're all gonna sing this, but we remain seated, the voices who are a little bit better than most of us stand and lead us as we sing 40 days and 40 nights.
Now we're going to hear a Kyrie eleison. This one's taken from a Requiem Mass by Thomas Louis de Victoria, who lived in the later part of the 16th century, early part of the 17th century uh, in Spain. He was a contemporary of Giovanni Perluigi de Palestrina, possibly better known than him, amongst the principal composers of the late Renaissance. He was a Catholic priest as well as an accomplished organist and singer. He also worked in Italy with Palestrina as well as in Spain. So what is a Kyrie? It's a very familiar uh, piece of the liturgy for those of you who are familiar with the Catholic Mass or the Anglican Eucharist. Uh, it comes up several times in the Psalms, at least half a dozen times in the Psalms. But in the Gospels, the words, Lord have mercy uh, upon me, come up four times. They come up three times in, in Matthew. The uh, Canaanite woman says, Lord have mercy upon me. She's appealing on behalf of her daughter. Uh, the father of the epileptic boy, after the transfiguration narrative, uses those exact same words, and the two blind men, very much like the Bartimaeus story that appears in Mark's gospel, you've got the two blind men story in Matthew. And then, perhaps most memorably, in Luke's parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, the, uh, the tax collector says, Lord, have mercy upon me. So that's the scriptural roots of the Kyrie, which obviously has become one of the most uh, familiar parts of the Latin Mass and appears in this Requiem by Victoria.
Well, the next piece we're going to hear is by the Portuguese Vicente Lusitano. What's the significance of him? Well, he was the first black composer to have his music published. He was born in Olivenza, then a Portuguese city, now in southwest Spain, around 1520, at a time when almost all black people in Europe were slaves. It's not known how he gained his musical education, but in 1551 he published Liber Primus Epigrammatum, a collection of 23 motets. By 1561, he had married and become a Protestant. So all's well that ends well. Emendemus in Milius is a text often sung at the imposition of Ashes on Ash Wednesday. So if you didn't get it yesterday, you've missed it for another year. It goes like this, let us amend for the better in those things in which we have sinned through ignorance, lest suddenly overtaken by the day of death, we seek space for repentance and be not able to find it. Now, an interesting personal note about the next piece, the piece we're going to hear after that, Wash Me Throughly, it, it, it's not spelt thoroughly, I'm not quite sure how it's pronounced, we're about to find out but it's uh, got an interesting spelling, but it's a setting of Psalm 51, which is the definitive Ash Wednesday uh, psalm in which David, uh, in which we, the, David recalls his affair with Bathsheba and his search for redemption thereafter, creating me a clean heart, O God, and so on. Um, but the interesting link with the, com the composer Samuel Sebastian Wesley is that he was the eldest child of his father's, Samuel Wesley's, second family, which he formed with Sarah Souter, having separated from his wife Charlotte. So quite an interesting personal note that uh, this gentleman, Samuel Sebastian Wesley, might have chosen this particular psalm to write one of his most celebrated pieces, perhaps uh, exploring the rights and wrongs of his own father's choices in life and in love. Who knows? We can have a moment to speculate on that and identify with that as we enjoy these two pieces now.
Well, it's time for us all to sing again in the same format as we did before. If you look to the inside of your sheets, uh, you'll find a hymn by Alan Homerding, who's an American writer and composer, born in 1956. And if you look at the verses of this hymn, you'll see that they're suitable to be sung on the various Sundays of Lent. It has themes of water from the rock in Exodus, transfiguration, the calling out of Bartimaeus, and the Samaritan woman at the well. And it's set to the tune Banger, which was written in the 18th century by the prolific composer William Tansor. We remain seated, the voices stand and lead us as we sing from ashes to the living font. coming towards the end of Great Sacred Music for this week. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed yourself, if you have. Not too much, of course, because this is Lent, but I, I hope you have enjoyed yourself. And if you have, there's an opportunity to make a donation as you depart, either with a swipe or with uh, a large, hefty wad of notes. Um, or there's a, um, there's a QR code on the back of the sheets, if you'd like to use that. Um, if you have enjoyed the voices today and you come out 
today thinking the one thing I want to do is hear more of the voices today, your wish can come true because they are performing tonight here. Uh, you need a ticket for that one, which you can get from the box office downstairs. Serenade to Music by Candlelight here at 7 p.m. Don't miss it because the Academy of St. Martin in the Fields will be performing with the voices tonight. So that's a special treat. Uh, if you're in town on Sunday, do come to our sister program, Choral Classics, Lord of All Grace. And then next week, we're going to be studying uh, together the poems of George Herbert and their various musical settings, which fits very nicely with our Lenten program that began last night, studying the poems of George Herbert as our Lent course. It's not too late to join that. Do go on the website to find out details if you'd like to. We're going to finish with a contemporary piece by Carenza Briggs, uh, Media Vita, commissioned in 2015 to celebrate 500 years since the birth of the English Renaissance composer uh, John Shepherd, whose 19, oh, I beg your pardon, whose 1550s setting of this text is his most highly regarded piece. He was master of the choristers at Magdalen College, Oxford, before joining the choir at the Chapel Royal in London. And the text for this piece comes. Uh, from the funeral service, we're still fairly melancholy, right to the end today, uh, in the Book of Common Prayer. In the midst of life, we are in death. Whom can we seek as our helper but you, O Lord, who for our sins are justly angry? Thanks for joining us. Mm -hmm. 